Well, welcome everybody and good morning to Downtown Community Church. My name is Mark Kanjan and I serve here as your Director of Connections and Volunteers. I think it's pretty safe to say that a lot of us will probably be approaching spring break this year, just like that, buying a pool at Walmart, filling it up with our bath water, and then putting a beach on our TV. That actually seems pretty nice. Um, But welcome, and I think happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Those of you who are wearing green, I actually did not plan this at all. I was wearing something completely different, walked out of my house, and realized it was a little chilly. So I didn't plan this at all, but it actually worked out. So that's awesome. Uh, Today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going through our third installment of Not According to Plan. Now, what we realize is that when things don't go according to plan, sometimes they actually work out better than what we had originally planned at the very beginning, right? Uh, Now, on the other hand, what we also see is that when things don't go according to plan, most often they go for the worse and it becomes painful, right? And so today what we're going to be looking at is we'll be looking at how we can navigate in those times of, of difficulty and find victory in them, all right? And now many of you know me who Went out to California, went out to Bible college, and I was there for about two years, right? Um, When I got saved on July 9th, 2014, at approximately 8.30 p.m. in my friend's garage, I will never forget that day. It was the best day of my entire life. Um, But when that happened, um, I realized I wanted to know more about Jesus. Who is this, this Lord? Who is this Savior who I just committed my life to? I already know that I can't live without him, that my ways um, before that were, were just not uh, effective enough, that I was failing all the time, but I needed somebody who was perfect that I could look to, who's been in every situation, and that was Jesus. So where better to go to learn about him than Bible college, right? At least for me. Many of us, we have our own ways of getting connected with Jesus, and that is great. But for me, that was Bible college. Now, I had a sin that I was struggling with here in Tallahassee, okay? And it's not like Tallahassee and and only Tallahassee. If I moved somewhere else, it wouldn't be there because that's just not the case. Here in Tallahassee, where I'm from, by the way, um, I was struggling with this sin, When I got saved and gave my life to the Lord, I was still struggling with this sin, okay? When I moved out to California, I brought that sin with me because I didn't deal with it. I still had it on my heart. I still had it on my mind. I was still very active in it, okay? Moved out to California, went to this Bible college, was surrounded by just great influences all around me. My professors were just the best, and I I love them very much. Some of them I still keep in contact with, Um, but I brought this sin with me. And what I realized is that that was a burden on my path for the Lord, in my race for the Lord, okay? Now, with that being said, I woke up one morning about a year and a half later and realized that I have to change. This sin is way too heavy on me. It is way too much, and I am living a two-sided life. I am lukewarm, and I can't be like that. I have to be running for the Lord, and I mean, I have to be sprinting, right? I need to be in full force running for the Lord, and here I am just walking. I'm getting distracted, and the sin was just weighing on my heart. So woke up about a year and a half into my college career out there and said things are going to be different. Uh, That morning, I decided that I was going to get rid of all technology. I was going to, you know, 
just try to keep the outside world away for as long as I could. And I mean, I'm at a Bible college, you're kind of in a bubble anyway, so they do a lot of that work for you. Uh, but as much as I could, I wanted to stay away from that outside world, okay? Well, here's the thing. Later that morning, when I got off of my early morning shift, I got a call from the office. I got a call from the office at the Bible college, and they, the dean of men wanted to speak with me. Calls me in, I go in there, and he says, Hey, I need to ask you some questions. I need you to be honest with me. He asked me about my sin. He asked me about the things that were going on in in my life. And he was very understanding. He prayed over me, and his his interns were there for me. We we just were able to have a very uh, godly moment in a very scary time. I mean, for me, I was like, how did I get caught I was careful. There was never any evidence left behind. I feel like I'm a careful guy. That wasn't the case, right? And a lot of us have been caught in our own sin, right? And that's the thing. We can't hide from it. But because I wasn't open and honest with Bible college at the very beginning, at the very beginning, like a year and a half before that, there were consequences. They told me that I had eight hours left on campus to where I had to collect all my clothes, all my belongings, say goodbye to all my friends. I got kicked off campus. A year and a half out there. That was heartbreaking. It was was so sad. I've never felt so alone. I had so many friends out there. With the exception of a couple, I lost them all. I, I, I was so lost. And it was heartbreaking. But my best friend out there, um, him and his family actually had an open room at their house. I had eight hours to get off campus, so I had to figure out what I was going to do, right? But they had an open room at their house, and they offered it up to me. I feel like I'm breathing into this mic. I don't want to do that to you guys. But they opened it up to me, and I was able to go stay with them. They lived about an hour away from the campus, which was perfect. So I, drove, I packed up, and I drove over there. And this family is the sweetest family ever. Let me tell you, they are incredible. They were praying for me. They were helping me um, have victory in over my sin, which I got to. Um, spoiler. But anyways, um, they, helped me, they helped me connect with the Lord in a way that I had never seen in my life. They, they, they were um, leaders in their local church, so I was able to go serve alongside them and join it. It was, it was the best thing ever. And then the Lord did something else. He opened up this opportunity for me to go back to Bible college and finish my time there. In order to do so, I had to do this long list of things. I had to write a letter. I had to get, I had to write a few letters. I mean, letters and, and papers and uh, had to get recommendations, and, and they had to talk to my pastor in the area which I was living. Um, so there was a long list of things, but um, I was able to go and finish my time there, which was a blessing because you always want to finish what you start. Um, and I'm the king of that not finishing things, so that was a big deal for me. But the fact that I was able to go back and finish that and see victory in my sin was a blessing for me, Okay. And what we see in our day-to-day lives, and, and then obviously I'm here right now, right? <laughs> I serve here as your connections and uh, volunteers director, so the Lord brought me here to downtown community church where I get to hang out and talk with all of you amazing people. 
And what the Lord did when he brought me back here was get me connected in this church. And so what we see, the principle of all this is that for every season of adversity, there is a spiritual moment. There is a spiritual response and we've all been there. Okay. So maybe you applied for a job and you ended up, ended up not getting the job. You're wondering, God, are you even there? Okay. You were in a relationship with this really cute girl, with this really cute boy. And then they break up with you. It's like, God, do you even care? Maybe you received that diagnosis. Where are you, God? But staying focused is is hard to do when we lose focus on what is right. And let me tell you something. If you're in any of these situations right now, I hope you don't think that while I'm up here on stage, my goal is not to fix your problems, okay? In fact, my goal is not even really to to make you feel any better. But what I do want to do is show you how we can navigate through these times. Now, I want to pray with you at the end, obviously, but I want to show you how we can navigate through these hardships and have victory in staying focused and having that personal intimacy with the Lord, okay? Now, what we're going to do is I want to go over kind of what we've been talking about the past few weeks in our uh, past two Sundays with going over, not according to plan. We see uh, Joseph, and he is this guy who, who grew up in this household, and, and he had many, many brothers, and he came to have a dream, okay? In fact, he came to have a couple dreams, and he told his brothers and his family about these dreams, okay? He said, basically, in short, that I had these dreams, uh, this is me, and, the, and then you guys were all going to bow down to me. And the brothers, I'm telling you, just did not like this by any means, okay? They didn't like it so much that they sold him into slavery, okay? Talk about not according to plan. This is already like, he's like, dude, I should not have told you this dream. It was a nightmare, okay? <clears throat> so he has this dream, tells his brothers, his brothers sell him into slavery. He then gets to um, his master's house, who his, his master makes him in charge of all these different things, okay? He makes them in charge of basically everything. Well, the master's wife has, tries to, you know, trick him into, you know, a few things, but that doesn't go well, and so the master throws him into jail, all right? And with that being said, that's kind of where we're at right now, but to be fair, this is a really easy and uh, frustrating thing that we see when we do that, right? Where we say, We've been put into a bad situation. We're going to try to make the best of it, but it just, becomes a, uh, it just ends up getting a lot worse, right? And so Joseph is going through this time where he's wondering, God, are you even there? So we're going to pick up the story right here in Joseph. We're going to go to uh, Genesis chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. Um, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bible there with me, and I will go ahead and read those. <clears throat> and Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them, and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, we each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to the Lord? Tell them to me, please. This is really cool. Joseph says, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me. And Joseph is stating that in this, that I have a connection with God. I talk with God and he talks with me. Do not interpretations belong to the Lord. Tell them to me. 
That's a bold response. And that's also like a little like not straightforward at the same time. But he's saying, I have a connection with God. My relationship with him is where we talk with each other and, and he talks back with me. Now, if they were to step back and say, you know, why should we tell you? What, what credentials do you have to prove that you can interpret our dreams? Joseph would probably say something like, well, hey, I had these dreams. I, I you know, was going to be the ruler of, of my family. I was going to have these other people bow down to me. And they would probably think he's what? Maybe a little bit more crazy, probably, because when he told that dream to his brothers, he got sold into, sla- into slavery. But that's all he really had to go to. Um, now, here's the point, that Joseph had been forced to be dependent on his past, all right? His past being those dreams that he had before, all right? Now, to the point to where he's talking with his buddy, his, his friend, his family member, and he's saying, you know, I mean, and I'm kind of, I want you guys to, to imagine this, going to your friend and saying like, hey, what's going on? I see something's happening in you. I can't put my finger on it. And they say, man, this is just, this is just going on in my life. And he says, well, hey, tell me more because I talk with the Lord and he talks with me, right? That would be kind of a weird response, but essentially that is what he's doing. He is speaking with these new people who've been put into slavery with him. So now we don't really have exact times of how much time the Lord or uh, Joseph spent with God on a daily basis. Okay. It's not like he I don't know, woke up from Potiphar's house and jumped in his car, drove to the Greenway, grabbed his AirPods, set up his Eno, and started writing in his favorite moleskin, journaling about his time with the Lord, okay? He didn't do that. We don't get to see that, but what we do know is that he has an intimacy with God to the point to where they communicate, okay? And I want us to stay focused on that. That's why I keep bringing that up, but we don't get that kind of detail, from Joseph in the Bible, okay, we get the fact that he has confidence in the level of personal, personal connection with God. And this is the personal intimacy with God that he has only found with him specifically, okay? He doesn't have this with anybody else, but partially because he's surrounded by nobody else, right? Um, but let's go ahead and continue in Genesis chapter 40. We'll go to 9 and 15. And it says, Then the chief butler told, him, uh, told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold in my dream a vine with three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth uh, ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was, uh, then Pharaoh's cup was in, in my hand, and I took the grapes and passed them or impress them into Pharaoh's cup and place the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now, within three days of Pharaoh, we'll lift, um, we'll lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you, will be put in Pharaoh, or, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former man manner uh, when you were his butler. But remember me, when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention to me, uh, to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. <clears throat> so we see that the chief butler has been put into his prison. Now, the job of the chief butler was to basically try Pharaoh's wine before, or really anything Pharaoh would drink, he would try it first just to make sure it wasn't poisoned, right? So Pharaoh gets put into, or not Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh does put his chief butler into prison, alongside with his chief uh, baker, okay? 
And what, what Joseph is saying to him, he's, he's interpreting his dream, and he says, you know, please put in a good word for me to the big guy, basically, right? He's saying, you know, get me out of here. I can interpret dreams. You're in a mess. I can help you. Now, however, the baker, on the other hand, this guy needs to start plotting his escape plan yesterday because in his dream, he was going to be hanged by Pharaoh, all right? And so that's not very comforting. So Joseph not only can interpret dreams, he can interpret nightmares, apparently, which is very surprising. What we're going to do is we're going to keep going through Genesis uh, chapter 40, verse 23. We're going to skip a few verses. And he says, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Okay. Joseph is probably in jail right now getting hyped about this butler, right? He's like, dude, I just interpreted this guy's dream. He's going to go talk to the Pharaoh. I'm about to get out of here, right? That's not the case. The dude forgot him. And now Joseph is there. Joseph is there for about two years. Okay. About a year and a half, he realizes, okay, this guy's not coming through. I need to think of something else. And he's wondering, God, are you even going to do something about this? Okay. Genesis chapter 41, verse chapter one, or uh, verse one, says a dream. Pharaoh has a dream after about two years of the, of the, of the butler being brought out. Okay? And now, with this dream, Pharaoh is standing in a field, and, and out of a, a, a river comes seven cows. Okay? These fat Healthy, beautiful cows is how it's described. And behind them, out of the river, comes these seven skinny, ugly cows. All right, these seven ugly, skinny cows, they devour the big and beautiful cows. So he wakes up, and he has no idea what to think about it. He goes back to sleep, has another dream. This other dream is about crops. These seven crops grow, these big, healthy crops. And then seven more crops grow, these skinny, unfruitful crops and they devour the, the healthy ones. And he wakes up again, and he doesn't know what to think of it. So what does he do? He sends out word, sending for, for all the, the wise men and all the magicians in Egypt to come to him to help him figure out what this dream is about. <laughs> and so with all of that, what we see is that Pharaoh is kind of getting nervous here. Right? He's seeing these dreams, and he's not sure what they mean. And what we're going to do is let's go ahead and read chapter 41. We'll go to verses 9 through 14. So, then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day, when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain. Of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of our own dream. Now, there was a, a young Hebrew man with us, a servant of the captain and of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams of us. To each man, he interpreted according to his own dream, and it came to pass, just as he, interpre- as, just as he interpreted for us. So it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Cool, dude. Two years later, all of a sudden remembers, oh, yeah, there's this guy in jail. I forgot. You put him there, by the way. And he now is a, a dream interpreter. We should bring him and in, 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 in figure out what your dreams are about. So <laughs> what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh sends for him. Pharaoh sends for Joseph. 
So when they go and grab Joseph, Joseph is now prepped and he's getting ready, right? They're, they're shaving his head. They are giving him clothes. They're trying to make him look presentable for Pharaoh. And if you guys have, I don't know, I mean, we, we've, we've all, you know, been put in, in front of, a, you know, a higher being or, or at some point, maybe you're a boss or, or someone who, you know, a really intimidating uncle or grandfather, maybe something like that. And you want to just make yourself look as presentable as possible. So what I want you to think about is being put in front of the most powerful person in the world. Okay. Let's say you're to go to the governor's mansion. If you were to go to the governor's mansion, you would plan it out. You would go to haircut. You would go buy those new clothes. Probably you would, you know, take three showers that day and use shampoos you never even heard of, like Tresemme or something like that. I don't know. And then you would probably buy a hairdryer for hair you probably don't have or do have. I don't know. But that's just what you would do. If you are going to try and look presentable for somebody, you're going to plan it out, right? And you're going to be in the governor's mansion. You're going to be walking along. He's going to have all these expensive things. You're going to be very nervous. You're going to be like, okay, that is a, 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 a statue right there. I'm going to just kind of walk this way. And it is like five yards away from you, right? You don't want to knock anything over. You don't want to break anything. You don't want to say the wrong thing because the potential is that if you say the wrong thing, if you answer answer something uh, uh, wrong, or if you don't know the answer, you could be killed, all right? And I'm talking about with Pharaoh now. I'm not saying our governor would kill you. If... <laughs> I want to be very clear on that. Gosh, I hope not. Um, that is the potential of this situation. They have called uh, Joseph to interpret this dream. That This is the setting Okay, Joseph is in this dungeon for two years after speaking with this butler. He's brought in front of Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. And he's going to have to interpret these dreams. Pharaoh is not a nice guy. If Joseph interprets them wrong or says something sly, what do you think is going to happen? He's going to be killed. (laughs) Not only is this intimidation going to set up our dynamic, but it's really so we can see how Joseph reacts in this. So let's go ahead and we'll continue in Genesis or yeah, Genesis chapter 41 verses 15 and 16. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said, of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered to Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And I love this because Joseph, his answer is basically saying, you know, I communicate with God because I have a good relationship with him. You know, God is going to give you your answer. You can't come to me expecting me to know your answers because I don't, but I know when God communicates with me. Joseph stands before the most powerful man in the world with his life potentially on the line and says, I have confidence that my God knows because I intimately know my God. Now, I want to ask you guys a direct question if I could. And I mean you. I don't want you to think in a broad, you know, in your whole lifetime. I'm asking you right now in this moment, how is your intimacy with God? How is your 
connection with God. And I mean right now because we are all in a season of life and God brings us through things, okay? And if we are running that race and we come to an obstacle, it is very important to know that you don't have to run out of your lane to get over that obstacle because we are with Jesus, okay? He has given us the power to overcome that obstacle. But I want to ask you right now, how is your intimacy and your confidence in him that he can bring you over these obstacles, okay? And I think we would all love to have the intimacy and the confidence that Joseph had, the fact of the matter is that we don't want to go over or, or go through the things that he's gone through. Imagine if your sibling sold you into slavery, right? Or your roommates, you just got home one day and your roommates were like, hey, dude, why is my stuff out in the driveway? And it's like, well, actually, that's a garage sale. And by the way, there's a cop who's going to be here in a few minutes. We sold you to him. He's going to take you to jail. That'd be pretty unfortunate, right? So Joseph here has been through all these trials, all these tribulations, and his confidence in the Lord has stood firm. He communicates with God, and God communicates with him. In truth, in many of us, it's not really that we don't want to go through anything because we have the opportunity to, to communicate with God on a daily basis. We have five minutes for, for prayer. We have five minutes to read our Bible every day. But it's much more than that right? If you want to grow a relationship with a friend, if you want to have confidence in that friend, you're not just going to be like, hey, I'm going to set five minutes aside for you every day. You go get Starbucks or not Starbucks, Lucky Goat because we're in Tallahassee. So you go get Lucky Goat for five minutes and then at five minutes, you just cut them off and you're like, all right, I got to go. Okay. But really that friend loves you. That friend wants to be there for you. And they want to know you. That's what Jesus is. That's what he wants from you. He, Jesus wants to know you. He wants you to communicate these things with him. And in fact, we have something better than Joseph, okay? Joseph based all these things off of a dream. We base ours off of a cross a death, and a resurrection, okay? We have the ability to communicate with God. We can do it. We have to be disciplined to do so. So I'm, again, I'm going to ask you right now where you're at right now in your life, how is your intimacy and your connection with the Lord, okay? Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe this is your first time to church ever, Maybe you just accepted the Lord uh, last week. Maybe you just accepted him 10 years ago. It doesn't matter. I mean, we all have a, a, a need for a savior. But, but what you need to realize is that God is standing there with open arms for you, okay? He's not just saying, look, you've been saved for 10 years, for 20 years, and you haven't come and spoken with me. Like, no, can you please go find a different religion? That's not what he's saying. Okay, God is saying, look, I am right here, and I love you. I want you. When you come, you better get ready for a back brace because I might break it. I don't need a big hug, and I need it now. Jesus is waiting for you, okay? And that could be a little intimidating to think about, right? It's like when I go approach a man that I have never really spoken with, this guy who's apparently God, who's, who's a savior, who died for me, yeah, absolutely, that could be a little intimidating. But it's important to know that Jesus is there for us. And he wants you as you are, not as you ought to be. 
He cares about us and he loves us. So I got a couple things for you, then I'll close with this. I want to know what is one step you can take forward to have that intimacy in, in, in that relationship with God? Is it getting connected into your church and serving? Is it giving, maybe? Giving is something you need to work on. Is it, is it getting more connected uh, intimately with the church? So maybe joining a community group. Is it, you know, maybe reaching out and forgiving somebody that you didn't think you could really forgive and having that time with him? I want to challenge you guys with something. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this or not, but let me, let me do this. Let me challenge you guys with something real quick, okay? It takes five minutes to talk with the Lord every day, and that is a great starting point, okay? And what I was saying earlier, I hope you don't think that I was saying, if you spend five minutes, that's not good enough, because that is, that is great. And Jesus wants that. I'm not writing that off by any means, but if you are having a hard time trying to figure out that stepping point, here's what I want to encourage you with. Start with that five minutes. Two minutes of prayer every day. Three minutes of reading a chapter in the Bible every day or a paragraph of verses. You could read this one sentence in the Bible for three minutes. But pray and have that intimacy with God, okay? What we've done here at, at uh, DCC is, everything we've done here is because he has just been so, so good to us, right? So what I want to point out is that we have our DCC tally app. I'm going to do a little plug real quick. But with that, we have our little devotions tab on it, okay? And that is a 30-day devotional that you can go do. We have it separated by weeks. So the first uh, week to the or days, I'm sorry. Yeah, we have it separated by weeks, but days. We have the first and seventh day on there in the first tab. I really encourage you to go do that. It is very short. You can go up there and you can, you can um, read it. It's going to take three minutes. We have scripture that goes along with it. We have a part where you can fill in any notes of what you're reading as you go through. But I want to really encourage you guys to go through and do that. Now, I want to close by saying this. Can you imagine what it would be like if we all did this, if we all had this connection with God, if we had this intimacy with God, if we every day were striving to see him more and more and trust that he is there for us and trust that he's going to bring us to, to, to what, what he wants us to eventually, where he wants us to eventually be. When we things aren't going according to plan, it's because his plan is greater. And it's not some at your time to know about that plan. Okay? And sometimes we just mess up. Sometimes I mess up. And God needs to get me back on the right path so that I can be going after his plan. What would it be like if we did that? What would it be like if we sought Jesus out every single day and really wanted to seek his face? Be diligent to him. Now, what about as a church? What would it look like if we did that as a church? If we started right here in this building, I'm not even kidding. I'm being so serious. If everyone in this room right now, we just were just seeking Jesus, okay? And then we just like circumference, circumference, circumference. It got bigger and bigger every time, okay? That we were just expanding and sharing that love with Jesus. That would be incredible. That would be my hope. My hope is that you all and myself and anybody listening to this, that we can see that when times of, of adversity come up, that we can seek Jesus, that we can seek him,
and know that he's going to be there for us, that we can be confident that he's going to have that love for us, okay, that he's going to bring us around those times of, of hardship and that he's going to pull us through. But we, he will give you the power if you will take the step, and you have to trust him. And last thing I'll say is that can you imagine this impact in your heart right now? if you took that one step. So in a second, I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to pray that Jesus will be there for us in that way, that Jesus will have that effect on your heart, that we can then go to the church, that we can then go to Tallahassee. This is possible. This isn't just daydreaming, okay? I am thinking big, but that's because we serve a big God who can fulfill these big needs, right? So we can do this, but I just want to ask right now that as we serve you, Father, as we seek you, and as we want to be more like you, you fill our hearts, Father, that you fill our minds with, with, with the love and, and, and with, with the characteristics of Jesus Christ, with the fruits of the Spirit, what, what we may need to be successful in you, Father. I ask that you take your desires and give them to us, Father, though, so that we can see that it comes true, Father. Use us. Use us as these vessels. Do this work in our hearts so then it can expand to this church. It can expand to Tallahassee and expand wherever you may want it to go, Father. I pray for that person in here right now who is having a hard time connecting with you, Father, who is not seeing that intimacy that could be had with your son, but it is their Father. And there's curiosity, and I thank you for that curiosity. I want to lift them up, Father, and I ask that if, if, if we could be of any way of, 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 a, of help to them, Father, that you would allow us to be so. Be with that person today. And be with everybody that was there on spring break, Father. I know that we have a lot of friends and family who have um, left Tallahassee to go do so. I ask that you be with them and you keep them safe. And that they can remember the confidence that they have in you, Father. That it doesn't just stay here, it goes everywhere. We love you, Father, and we praise you in your name.